Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And we're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We are now able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Please visit ellenbecker.com for more details. And today is, going, is a, a really exciting show um, because I've been watching the progress of the Lighting the Home Bridge for quite some time. And last year for Christmas, as a company, we gave each one of our employees a light on the Home Bridge. And the good news is that at the end of this month, the um, left, the west side of the bridge is going to be awake and shining brightly for the whole city of Milwaukee to see. And I wanted to invite a two of the team who have been diligently working so hard to raise the money and to create this, this beautiful, beautiful monument to Milwaukee um, and make it happen. So my two guests are Michael Hohostad, and he is the executive director of the Commons in Milwaukee, and Greg Marshall, who is a chief storyteller and uh, producer. He's also a keynote speaker at CI Designs. And again, these are two of the team members. And so I don't know, Michael or Greg, which ones want to start out, but can you just give us the background? It's, it's fascinating how this all came um, into play and how everyone just really took an interest in it and developed this whole concept. So if you could just, one of you give us an idea of which one, uh, how it got started. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy, happy to hop in and, uh, <laughs> and take a start at this. Um, thanks for having us, Karen and Greg, feel free to jump in here as we, uh, as we go. I think, uh, the idea for the project really came um, uh, myself and, and kind of my partner in crime on this, Ian Abston, and I had long felt that um, there was a need to, to better connect uh, the different generations of leaders in Milwaukee, young leaders and, and established leaders. And we set out to uh, create a group uh, of individuals to do that. Um, and we wanted to name the, the group Hone um, in honor of, of the bridge and the idea of connecting generations, you know, it was kind of cutesy. And so uh, our lawyers were like, yeah, I love the name, uh, but there's a guy you should talk to. He's the grandson of Daniel Hone. His name's Dan Steininger. If you know Dan, he runs Biz Starts in Milwaukee and has helped um, countless entrepreneurs uh, get up and running in Milwaukee. Um, and Dan was like, I love the idea. And as we were leaving, Dan said, you know, he said, one of the things your group might want to focus in on is, is um, uh, installing lights, um, you know, LED decorative lights on the home bridge and told us a, a story uh, that, that um, of a similar effort uh, that was made when the bridge was redecked um, uh, in the early 2010s. Um, the lights never got up there, budget reasons, political reasons and the like. And he said, you guys should think about doing that. And um, Ian and I walked out of Dan's office kind of going, wow, whatever, Dan, you know, like crazy idea. But then we couldn't get it out of our heads. I kept saying to Ian, you know, Ian, I think there's there's something there with this idea. And so um, 
it wasn't long after the Bucks had drafted uh, a, a little-known player named Giannis, and uh, it was um, one of the first ESPN games uh, uh, that was televised uh, nationally for the Bucks in a long time, and it was a nighttime game. And they had come back from commercial, and they were sort of panning the, the skyline. They were going from north to south, uh, shooting west off the lake. And you could see the NM Tower being built at the time and the vibrancy of the city and where they ended the last part of that shot before they went back to the Bradley Center for live action game uh, was uh, where the home would be. And it was just complete darkness. And Ian and I were watching that game separately. And like, I think Ian called me first, but I had my phone out to call him. I'm like, dude, are you watching this game? We need like this. That was the moment where we're like, we got to explore this and really check this out. And so that led to several years worth of um, talking to the DOT, the Coast Guard, uh, anybody who would need to, to have approval on this project um, before we, we went out and, and did all the fundraising. So what have you learned from this whole process of, of time? Because I know it's, you've gone through many of the timeframes where money's been tight and you know there's been a lot of uncertainty and getting people to buy into this, into our city? You know, I, I think that that's a great question. And I think what we've learned in this, um, uh, throughout this project, you could probably fill a book. Um, and that is actually something that we want to do. We've talked about doing a graphic novel about this whole process to teach kids how to get engaged in, in their community. But that aside, I think to, to fully answer your question, I think fundraising was not something that Ian and I really, um, I mean, we had both done it in the past, but not to this level. I mean, the whole project itself is a $4.6 million project. And um, it's hard to get people interested in something that they can't see, um, something that we don't necessarily already have in Milwaukee. Um, it's one thing to fundraise for a museum um, or, or a symphony or things like that, things that we know and, 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 and value and believe in in our community. Lighting a bridge was something that was new, something that didn't exist in Milwaukee. And so not only did you have to convince people um, uh, about the what, you had to convince them about the why. And, and I think that that was a uh, it was challenging for us in the beginning. And, and we had a vision from the get-go that we wanted this to become a community asset. Uh, this looks great in the skyline at night. It's beautiful. It, it, is, it, it will drop your jaw. But beyond that, the potential of what this bridge could be to help people in the community with skills development, STEM skills in particular, um, shining a light, um, pun fully intended, on um, nonprofits and groups in Milwaukee that are doing great things, all of those opportunities exist now because we've been able to light a portion of this bridge. That is really exciting. Greg, why do you feel that, and um, Michael has talked a little bit about it, but why do you feel that this has been such an important asset for Milwaukee? What are some of the things that have developed from it? And I know that you've encouraged and you've used a school and kids to um, really set up some of those lights and and the music, I think, behind it. But can you give us a little bit more in-depth idea of how you see something like this really connecting people together? Yeah, it was um, really illustrated a couple of weeks ago um, where a group of us went out on a pontoon boat and observed the test, a testing of the lights. And 
when we were testing the lights and Michael was controlling it with his cell phone by messaging the person who had control of the lights. And every time the lights would change, we would hear an eruption of oohs and ahs and laughter and cheers. And it was, you couldn't have really uh, casted the moment better. We had two boats with African-American families. There was these young families, Hispanic and white behind us. And then there was these young professionals like doing video and riding bikes and on, on the side of the road and cars started pulling over. It was like older people, younger people, different backgrounds. And across the board, we were just seeing joy and hearing it. And at one point, uh, Michael said, asked these little kids and their mom, what's your favorite color? And they said, pink. And he changed the bridge pink. And you, I mean, it was like instantly we watched this lifelong memory happen. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is why. <laughs> this is just joy. I mean, yes, we are all part of like trying to fix other problems in this city. Um, but this is this is an opportunity to to just have a goal that's about joy. And that was a quote that somebody shared with us. So like this is this is a goal that is about joy and we're excited about that. And then on top of that, we have Code the Hone. There's tech um impacts with youth opportunities. So it goes deep um, in, in, in the symbolism of, of how the bridge can be used to celebrate unity in the city, to create unity, to celebrate the work of nonprofits and others. So it can go pretty deep into the practical impact. But at the center of it, it's just we hope we're hoping that it can really spark joy for people. I know last Christmas when we were thinking about what something we like to do, something unique um, with our employees to also connect us to each other. And it was really fun when everybody realized that they had a light on the whole bridge. That was their light. And, you know, that's what we all want to do is sort of light up the world and bring joy, as you said. So I think that's really great. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about some more about the bridge and what people can expect. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today we are talking about a very special project and it's lighting the home bridge. My guests are two guests are Michael Hostad and he is the executive director of the Commons. And Michael, you're going to have to tell us a little bit later exactly what the Commons is. And then Greg Marshall, who is a chief storyteller and a producer and a keynote speaker with CI Designs. And Prior to taking the break, we we talked about the bridge and Greg, you spoke about bringing pure joy to our community. And I do want to talk about the importance of that when the bridge is going to be lit, um, which I believe is on October 22nd, and what it really means to the community in a time where there's so much uncertainty. And people are dealing with so many different distractions and things that are impacting their lives. I think myself personally, I live downtown and I can't wait because I think you're right, Greg. It it just makes your heart beat. It just makes you happy. It it brings light where it's there's been so much darkness going on lately. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, it's interesting in the context of this bridge, you 
for years, we, especially Michael and Ian for even longer, but a group of us for years have been talking about the lights and explaining what we believe the impact will be. Uh, And some people get it right away. Some people are skeptical of any change whatsoever. Some people uh, become frustrated. Like, how dare you pursue this lights on a bridge when there's other problems? And in all of that, you know, you, you end up going through the cycles of like, maybe you're right. Maybe this is a dumb thing to pursue. And then, and then you look further into it and you see what it's accomplished for other cities, other businesses, tourism, um, just the, the hope impact of it, the inspiration of it. And you, you, you learn, like you get the data that says this is actually as cool, probably cooler than we even think it is. And so you keep pursuing it. And, and you hold intention, your pursuit with the things you're discovering about, like, yeah, I mean, we, we want this to mean more than just lights on a bridge. Like, how can it impact the community and all of that? Um, but, you know, we just, we've been able to watch in other cities, and now we've experienced firsthand um, through the testing of the lights uh, what what we were hoping for. And we can see the the fruit that's going to come. We can feel it and experience it. And it's, it's one of the most satisfying things where you, you start out on a journey, you hope it's a certain thing when it's done, and then it happens and you realize it's better than it was. And I think part of the reason it feels better and more hopeful and why people are, are going to and have reacted to it so strongly is because of the context of COVID and uh, the political tensions, the racial tensions, it's, it's the thing that everyone can see, be inspired by, that surprises them, delights them. And it just, it's a break from all of the intensity that's always around us. So agreed, yeah, it's just, it's, it is a really hopeful thing. And there's a lot of ways it can be used practically to educate, to inspire, to inform. Um, and it, it has all that purpose in it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's also when you're, you're walking by and you look up and you see this thing it's massive and it's beautiful and the the reflection on the water, it does something uh, that it's hard to put into words, but when people experience it, you know it because they, they they automatically say, (laughs) wow. And it's really hard not to say, wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's all that stuff. And it it is really fun to see it come to life. And it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, what color you are, what race you are (laughs) with ethnicity. It, it, it lights up the light for everybody, which I think, in itself brings everyone together. Yes, it's it's pretty awesome to see. And, you know, I think I was, uh, had the front row seat to watching how much work it was to to make it happen and got to contribute a little bit to that. Um, but it, it, it reminds me of, you know, of every major fundraising thing that's happened in the city of Milwaukee, there is no magic formula. Ultimately, it comes down to the people who are trying to accomplish it simply won't give up and they really believe in it. And I think what's neat about this one is the hope, the fire that's in a couple people who tried to bring this thing around and, you know, brought it to light. That's, that's like, like we, they, we can point to the lights when they change color and say, yeah, like that was the thing, what that (laughs) felt like. That was the thing that kept us going when, like every major project in the city of Milwaukee or any city, it becomes hard to make it a reality. But when you, that thing you felt 
when the lights came on and when they changed, like that was the thing that kept us going because we felt that we saw that that was possible. You know, everybody likes a rainbow and rainbows are hopeful, right? And so it's like our own little rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. And we can make it rainbow colors. Uh, That's in fact, I think one of the favorite, favorite points, but you know, I, I have to say too that Greg, Greg is very modest about his role in, in this whole process, but, but what Greg just said is exactly why Greg's role was so important in this process, because there were many times, many times, even within the last couple of weeks of trying to get this thing done, uh, where we were in some tough spots. Um, Greg was, was really instrumental, not only in telling the overall story and, and, and why we're doing this from a public facing perspective, but Greg was also kind of our therapist along the way in many of this to, to be like, Greg, you know, many head and hands, large bottle of wine in front of you going, <laughs> why are we doing this? And, and Greg was, was always quick to respond with the reasons why we said, I mean, he just reminded us of why we were doing this, why we were all doing this in the first place. And so, uh, so thank you, Greg. I don't know that I, I think I've thanked you in the past, but thank you for, for that because uh, <laughs> it, it was really instrumental uh, at some of the darker times. When, when you talk about um, the things that actually um, have come from this, and I know I mentioned earlier, I know that you had uh, school kids that were actually inputting information, but you had electricians, you've had so much input and I, I guess it goes along with music. Can you talk about the lights a little bit? And be, you know, when we, ta- I think initially when we were thinking about this, we all thought, well, they're gonna screw a light bulb into this bridge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and yeah. your name is on it and you can go to a website yeah. and you can talk yeah. about it. So it's very unique and it's special. It's very special. Yeah, you know, um... I, I think that that when we started to do this, yeah, even even we kind of had the same thought. It's like, oh, we're just putting lights on a bridge. You think <laughs> of putting lights on a Christmas tree, you know? It's it's um, you know, but until you really dive into the technology that exists, um, the engineering uh, that is required, um, you know, like for example, the the DOT said you you can't screw anything into the bridge. So so we are literally using. 100 pound magnets and industrial strength zip ties, essentially, that's what they are, um, to hold these things up. And these are tried and true methods and tested and and safe. Um, But it presented an engineering challenge um, that that, uh, we had to overcome. And, And in the process of all that, and in the process of understanding what these lights can do, the technology, they can sync to live music, they can sync to scoreboards at the Pfizer Forum or AmFam Field or, or, or wherever, um, that presented opportunities where we were like, boy, this is, here's an opportunity for teaching and learning, right? We've got amazing engineering feats happening on one hand. We've got programming and coding uh, happening on another. These aren't, these aren't Christmas lights. It's, it's, it's anything but. So let's use them as a way to start to educate um, our local youth ab- about engineering, about programming, about STEM uh, fields and STEM skills. And so that's exactly what Code the Hone is and, and um, you know, allows us to really make good on that, that belief from the very beginning, our mission from the very beginning that we wanted this to be about more than lights on a bridge. So now that we have half of it lit, 
we're moving forward with developing the framework for Code the Hone, which is going to target fifth through 12th graders, uh, partnering with groups like the Boys and Girls Clubs of, of Greater Milwaukee, Sharp Literacy, Islands of Brilliance, Discovery World, um, as a means of, of utilizing those partners to disseminate these learning modules out through their networks of kids. And so at the end of the day, kids who participate in this program, their designs, um, as they learn how to code, they're, they're playing with virtual lights on the bridge. Those designs that they create could actually end up on the bridge uh, itself one day. I mean, imagine being able to see your work as you learn how to code literally play out on this huge bridge. You know, I, I always joke as a former programmer myself, the first code that I ever wrote was for a mortgage calculator when I was in seventh grade. And I, I didn't even know what a mortgage was in seventh <laughs> grade. So the fact that I stuck with coding uh, is probably pretty remarkable. But if we can teach kids how to code using something as, as iconic as the home bridge and, and that they can light it up, literally light it up. I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. So, so we're excited to be able to offer that as, as one of, you know, many community benefits coming out of this project. And the lights will be able to um, be synchronized with many different things, I understand. Yeah, and you'll be able to see that on the 22nd. Um, we're going to have a mix of, of, uh, of local and, and national artists uh, playing, and the lights will be synced to, to those songs. Um, and so uh, it'll give people a taste of, you know, what we might be able to do when we light the other side of the bridge and you're at Summerfest. It, it could uh, could very much change the dynamic and experience of a concert goer uh, there, um, but also give um, gives us the opportunity to highlight local musicians, uh, do all sorts of fun stuff with those lights. And what has the impact been on some of the businesses that have supported you? And how has that been to really get large corporations to want to be an integral part of this by donating money and maybe talk a little bit about those donations as being tax-free gifts if anybody's interested in giving or giving yes. lights to their children or grandchildren for Christmas as the holidays are coming up. I think that's a really cool thing. Yes, and, and that is an important note, Karen. All gifts are, are tax-free. Um, we are a nonprofit um, and, and have um, uh, a handful of fiscal agents that are helping us along the way that are uh, nonprofit as well. Um, corporations, I think, have given to this in a variety of ways, whether it's like you did, Karen, where they gave bulbs in honor of their employees or as holiday gifts or what have you. Um, others have, have looked at it uh, as a driver for economic impact. Um, uh, we've had an economic impact study uh, conducted by our friends at Ernst & Young that um, uh, identified about a $12 million annual economic impact potential by lighting the bridge. Um, and that comes in the forms of jobs created, um, people adding patios and rooftops uh, to their bars and restaurants, um, the potential for, for development of, of, uh, of vacant land along uh, in the Harbor District. So, um, and, and others have, have given um, because they're interested in seeing uh, the code, the home piece come to fruition. Um, uh, there's a lot of companies uh, in our region that are desperate for um, STEM skills, talented coders. And so um, our companies are really amazing in Milwaukee because they believe in, in not only attracting the talent to fill the jobs today, but developing the talent that will fill those jobs tomorrow. And I, I think that's a, that's a testament to um, the strength of our corporate community here and them stepping forward to see this as an opportunity to, to build those skills in a unique way. I think we'll take our next break. And when we come back, I would really like to have some of your input into 
what you see happening within our community today in view of, of COVID and some of the businesses. And I know um, that Michael, you, you work and we have worked very hard as an entrepreneur yourself and to help entrepreneurs in our community. And we're gonna lose a lot of businesses because they just can't make it, which is heartbreaking, but there'll also be fertile ground for new businesses to be started. So when we come back, let's talk a little bit about where you see Milwaukee at today. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guests today are Michael Hostad, and he is the executive director of the Commons, and also Greg Marshall, who is the chief, who is a chief storyteller, and a uh, producer. He's also a keynote speaker with CI Designs. And I guess Michael, before we get into even talking a little bit about what's going on in Milwaukee, explain um, you're the executive director of the Commons and what does the Commons do and the importance of that in our community. Yeah, um, so the Commons um, is a program uh, within the Greater Milwaukee Committee. So I'm, I'm employed by the GMC, and this is one of our programs around innovation and talent. Uh, we've been around, the, pro the, the Commons has been around for six years. Um, and really what we do is uh, we work with high school, college uh, students, as well as those early in their career um, to help build uh, sort of this innovation mindset. Uh, the, the ideas around um, creative problem solving, um, uh, conflict resolution, working on teams, um, understanding markets and, and how to make a dollar, um, uh, even leading into that entrepreneurial mindset. At the end of the day, though, we're really about retaining talent um, in our region. Um, so uh, we do a lot around perception change, both on the side of young talent um, uh, uh, and their perceptions of the companies that they may have grown up with in the backyard, in their backyard, as well as uh, perception shifts among our corporate partners who may think that the talent that they're looking for uh, doesn't exist uh, in the Milwaukee area. So we're we kind of serve as a concierge in a lot of way of connecting young talent with with companies, um, all for the sole purposes of of helping that young talent sort of answer the question, what's next for me and where do I go from here? Um, and and uh, helping companies to be able to continue to grow by finding the talent that they need locally. Um, so it's been fun and, and we get um, firsthand experience of working with young people and, and, and um, you know, encouraging them to stay here in Milwaukee, creating opportunities for them, getting them connected to the business community in ways that they weren't getting connected to before. And that's, it's, um, it's, it's what puts my, uh, my feet on the ground every morning, other than lighting bridges, of course. <laughs> you know, Michael, I like what you said, that there are a lot of really great talent out there. And one of the questions they have is, you know, what is next? And where mm -hmm. do I, where do we go from here? And Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have been in business for a very long time and they're asking themselves that same question is, what is next and where do I go from here? And unfortunately, I think we are going to lose some businesses that have been around for a very long time, businesses that just got started in the midst of this and couldn't get, you know, couldn't get their legs going. What are you seeing within our community and how do you think that... Um, Milwaukee is going to be able to support your organization, support and help launch some of these businesses. 
Well, you know, I mean, I think anybody who's ever started a business will be able to tell you that that's probably one of the hardest things they've ever done, right, is to start and grow a, a successful business. Um, doing so in the midst of a pandemic um, is, is, is another challenge layered on top of that that sometimes uh, businesses, you know, can't overcome, uh, even those that have been established for a very long time. Um, but what I have seen and what I think inspires me is, is, is a lot of people coming together to try and help businesses in, in new and unique ways, whether that's simply figuring out ways to still frequent uh, those businesses and, and, and give them, um, you know, sales and revenue coming in, all the way to thinking differently about how companies and helping companies to pivot and innovate um, and, and realizing that maybe the equipment that they have in their shop or something like that could be used for different things. And we've heard several stories of companies here in the Milwaukee area that used to make one thing and now are making PPE equipment or masks or, or what have you. And I think that speaks to sort of the innovative and uh, uh, spirit in Milwaukee, the ingenuity that exists uh, even if you look at the, the long history of Milwaukee, um, what people have done to build companies here um, is is um, is alive and well today, I think, in the, the entrepreneur community. I also think that you've got groups, and I, I'll give a shout out to um, a colleague of mine at the Greater Milwaukee Committee, Elmer Moore, and the team at Scale Up Milwaukee uh, that runs programs to help uh, small and growing businesses uh, to continue to grow, uh, even through times of a pandemic. And they're providing uh, education, resources, mentoring uh, as a means of helping companies to, to grow, to weather the storm and, and, and maybe even come out a slightly different company on the other side of this, whether it's through pivoting or innovation or what have you. So, um, so I, I, and, and scale-up's just one example of that. Wibic, um, uh, your various chambers of commerce, they're all pitching in and figuring out how to help companies. Um, sometimes it, has to take a crisis to pull people together. And, yeah. and, um, and I think we're really seeing that uh, in every aspect of society, um, even in our business community. Greg, what do you think about what's going on within our community? And you talk a lot about light and hope. And um, of course, what we do want to give is people hope for the future, that there is a future. And without a doubt, as a business owner in Milwaukee, and we have been very blessed that we do see our clients and um, really interested in what's going on in the community and wondering how they can help and coming together. And how do you see the community, Greg? Um, well, I think that people who are panicking and not um, like trying to cling to the way they've always done business is where things become uh, really challenging and it just kind of the anxiety compounds on itself. Um, for for those of us who take a deep breath and ask the question, what does it look like for me to be fully faithfully present to this new reality with what we do well, what's worked in the past, what we're talented at, the people we have, the tools we have, how do we be valuable now? And I feel like the hope comes from the, the reminding our brains we don't need to be in a fight or flight state. We can, we can learn how to adapt. We can learn how to be valuable right now. And, and those of us who have taken that approach, and it doesn't work for everybody, I realize, but it, as a general rule, um, learning to be present to the new reality is where we're going to find the hope because then we're going to discover innovations that we wouldn't have discovered otherwise 
or we're going to find out there's parts of our business that should have died that we didn't have the courage to kill. And now we can start <laughs> something new. And I'm seeing um, with, in, in with all the racial conversations that are happening, I'm mentoring multiple African-American entrepreneurs who are launching in the midst of this different ideas um, that help solve problems that are big right now. And I think that there's, there's a ton of really beautiful activity happening and I grieve alongside anybody, the things that have been lost. But at the same time, you know, with that grief, I have to have hope. I have to have optimism and believe that we as human beings have been through some crazy stuff. This is a unique season for sure. But if we're able to be present, more present than we've been in the past, then we can be more creative than we've been in the past. And, and we can figure out how to be valuable either to the community or to my employer or to whoever, whatever it is. But it's, it's a matter of like, yep, hope is there, but you got you to gotta take a deep breath and be willing to receive it. And that requires just being present. You know, I so agree. I always think of myself, the first thing I do is I take a, a moment and say, you've got to breathe, stop, <laughs> you know, breathe, pause, and look for what's right, not for what's wrong. And unless you can let go of some of that fear and that your innovative, your creativity doesn't have a place to, to be birthed and to grow. And I do see that within my own family, within my friends and within the community that there are some people that this has just lit a fire under, you know, and other people are, feel like they're drowning. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm both of those things. You know, a lot of times with our company, when it first came March, April, I felt like a kick in the face <laughs> and then you, you start fighting and you call you, I got to relax. Like I can't panic right now. Who can I reach out to? Like, how do we need to evolve? And then things start to happen, things start to move, but then there's always this underlying, yeah, but is the floor going to drop out again? <laughs> and is it possible for me to stop worrying about this? Like, I'm fronting like I'm not worrying, but underneath, I'm anxious. And, and then you realize, like, wait, I'm not anxious anymore. This is going well. It's like, well, should I be anxious? And it's, it's, just, a, it's just a weird time. And I think everybody is, essentially needs therapists. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then we'll be okay. But yeah, for me, it's a very spiritual, um, psychological, physical, like I need to grow and discipline in all those areas in order to flourish right now. Because if I'm not disciplined in all the ways that I am human, um, then I, you know, you get swept up and you can get destroyed by the moment. But if you can seek to be healthy, surround yourself with healthy people and keep dreaming and keep working forward, you know, we'll probably be okay. You know, I read something this morning, I, I get, it's, I don't know if you've ever heard of, it, but it's called a note from the universe. And it's called Tut. And this is what I got this morning. When just starting out on a new journey, it's only natural to feel vulnerable, like you have so much to lose. But may I remind you that never again at any other point in the same journey, will you ever have so much to gain? And it says, I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> and that's the thing you know, you have so much to gain, but sometimes it's hard to see that, but it's that belief and that trust. And I think you both have talked a lot about how you just believed in it. And that was the, that was the power behind and the drive behind making sure doing the best that you could to bring this to fruition. Yeah. So, it's, it's been incredible to, to see it come together. And, and you're right, Karen, we did, we just believed there was never a moment really <laughs> where we thought that this wouldn't happen. So, uh, and, and here we are. 
Well, let's take our last break here. And then when we come back, I would like to kind of describe what's going to happen, what time it's going to happen. I know that I read somewhere that TMJ4 is going to be hosting some of this. Talk a little bit about how people can contribute um, financially, how they can get a light bulb, all that really great stuff. And so with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I have two guests today, Michael Hosted, and he is the executive director of the Commons. Also, Greg Marshall, who is a chief storyteller and a producer, a keynote speaker at CI Designs. You know, I'm just fascinated by the idea of being a storyteller, so I'll have to talk to you about that someday. But Michael, can you go into all of the things that we can expect that'll be happening with Lighting the Bridge and uh, how people can participate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the, the bridge will have its premiere lighting um, on Thursday, the 22nd. Um, and, what time is um, that? What time that is process that? will begin around 630. Uh, the lights will probably be turned on around 645. Um, our great partners at uh, TMJ4 are going to be broadcasting uh, the lighting live. Uh, so if you can't make it down to the bridge, um, uh, definitely tune in to uh, TMJ4. Uh, we are also going to be live streaming from the lightthehome.com website. TMJ4 will be live streaming it. Um, you know, as we were just talking about in the era of COVID, we do have to be careful about uh, large gatherings of people. So there's there's lots of ways to see these lights. Um, after after our light show um, on the 22nd, the bridge will be lit nightly after that. And, and from then on out, we'll get into a regular schedule of some lighting shows and opportunities for nonprofits um, to, to reach out and uh, change the lights in, in honor of, of colors for causes that they're working on, uh, ways to, to show what they're doing. So all of that will be available on lightthehone.com. Uh, for folks who might be interested in, in um, contributing, uh, we're still raising funds for the other side uh, of the bridge, for the east side of the bridge, as well as for our programs like Code the Hone. Um, people can still dedicate light bulbs. They make great um, uh, donations, uh, great gifts for uh, the holiday season. In fact, we just learned that our friends at MSOE, uh, their students are going to be 3D printing little mini hone bridges that uh, everybody who uh, orders during the holidays will get one of those. Um, so uh, lots of great ways to continue to participate, share those stories, dedicate those bulbs, uh, and reach out to us if you're interested in making a larger gift. Do you have uh, Light the Hone masks? We do, actually. Yes, <laughs> yes. So... Uh, so those will be available for some of our events. And, and yes, we are encouraging people to mask up. But if you do not bring your mask, uh, you will be given a, a light the home mask. And for sure. once, once again, we said that the, the donations are tax deductible and they make great gifts. You can do that out of your IRA if you choose to. You can do um, a general gift if you are looking at um, maybe having some huge capital gains this year, you can donate a stock, you can donate lots of many ways that yes. you can make a donation to this great cause. And what would be the last thing that the two of you would like to leave with our listeners today? And start with you, Greg, since you've got a break here for a minute. <laughs> um, I, I just hope people can enjoy the bridge. And when, when the lights are up there, take a night and drive down with your family and pull over and get out of your car or look from your wind from inside the car, turn on some music and just watch them. And 
you know, watch him change and just just have a moment of of refreshment and be encouraged by something that happened in your city that took a lot of work and it was done for you to be able to do that, to be able to enjoy it. And, you know, maybe think about the people who, who have dedicated a bulb up there, you know, you'll be able to see some of the individual bulbs, even from a distance and people dedicated to um, a loved one that accomplished something big, or maybe somebody who has, who died in their life that they love and, or, um, you know, somebody who donated kidneys to another person or the birth of a child. And so like every one of those bulbs really does symbolize something that's meaningful to us as a community. So as you, you know, as you enjoy the bridge, just reflect on the fact that there's a lot of lives that surround our lives and it's all of us together that make up this community. And it's the good things that we do for each other that holds it together. And ultimately that's what we're trying to illuminate with it. On the, on the website, lightthehone.com, is there a portal or an area that talks about some of those bulbs and why they were given? Yeah, uh, if you go to lightthehone.com, um, you can search through dedications and read some of those stories. I've, mm-hmm. I've said that that's the best part of our job is being able to read some of these dedications that come in. It's, it's, there's so many great stories, so many heartfelt um, dedications that are being made. And I'd, I'd love someday to turn those into like a coffee table book that people could just mm-hmm. flip through and, and read all those dedications. They're, they're really neat. And what would you like to leave our listeners to with this today? Well, I, I think Greg really hit it on the head. I, I think for me, sometimes I look at that bridge and have to remind myself that we did this. Um, <laughs> so I think that if it can be inspirational, particularly to the next generation of leaders, that big things can happen in Milwaukee, even in the midst of a pandemic. Um, um, for us, it was about lighting a bridge and teaching kids how to code. For somebody else, they might have a big idea for their neighborhood or their community. And so if that bridge can be an inspiration to uh, carry forward with that idea, to see it through, to pursue it, um, that's, that's really what I'd love for people to, to look at that bridge and think about. I think too, for me, I look at it and if there was one light bulb out there, the light bulb would shine like crazy, but you take thousands of light bulbs and you put them together, it makes an entirely different perspective and a different feeling. So each one of us in our own way have our own lights and to be able to purchase a light bulb and to be able to be part of that group, we still get the shine as, as bright as we are, but together we can move mountains. And I think that's what the home bridge does for so many people. It's I've seen it when it was, when you were practicing it, it was absolutely amazing. And it was that, that I, I remember calling and say, you know, that bridge, it's going to be lit. We got to get them back on the radio (laughs) (laughs) and and talk about it because it's such, it's such a beautiful thing. And I do think that, you know, bridges are to bring people to one side to another, to bring people together. And, you almost can't help but just feel that joy when you see all those lights. And it's just like our own little rainbow in Milwaukee. So I want to thank both of you again. If you would like to do a donation, if you would like to know more, go to lightthehone.com and all the information is there. Again, the bridge is going to be lit on October 22nd, starting around 630 in the evening. Uh, please think about a donation. If you've got eight grandkids, wouldn't it be great to give them each a light up there? If you've got two grandkids, 
um, I've got one great grandchild, so I have to buy an extra one this year (laughs) (laughs) so that everybody has one. But I really thank both of you, my guests, Michael Hustad and Greg Marshall for coming on. I think you've got four other team members that have made this happen. So thank you to all of you for your continued support and interest and dedication to making this happen. And for all of my listeners, I want to thank you. And uh, I hope that I've made a difference in your, in your life and have an enjoyable weekend. Bye.